0: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The 2021 season ended with an abrupt halt. Always does, unless you're that one team that lifts that Lombardi trophy over your head at the end of the year. The Steelers' uh, overall record, 9-8-1, including that playoff loss against the Kansas City Chiefs, now Time to turn the page. Time to look ahead to the next season. It's never too early to start doing that. Uh, I know that the coaching staff will probably take, you know, maybe a day or two. They'll do some exit interviews. Tomlin already ripped through those with the rookies and the team leaders. And, you know, they'll have to make some decisions on their staffing. But, yeah, the decisions for next year are going to start coming hot and heavy real fast. And there's a lot to Peel back there as far as coaching staff is concerned, players to retain, players to go out and sign, players to draft. So there's no shortage of topics for us to dive into coming into the 2022 offseason here. But kind of just looking back at the 2021 season, some things they did well, some things they did poorly. The only thing that I think I can hang my hat on and say that the Steelers have a solid thing going for them is the pass rush Uh, i don't there's no good run defense the pass defense is okay there's nothing offensively as far as the passing game is concerned the rushing offense is very young and inexperienced all they do well with a lot of confidence is that pass rush so you've got that going for you but that means you've got a lot more that you need to focus on address and get better at into 2022 if you want to have success So while it's nice that you can kind of just put that in your back pocket and say, well, you know, Watt's coming back, Hayward's Mm -hmm. coming back, Highsmith will have another year in the league. Uh, We're going to have maybe two at Nalualu will be back healthy next year. We're going to have just as good of a pass rusher as we have had. It's the other areas that they need to focus on and that they need to fix, and there's a lot of them, which makes me wonder how feasible is it that they can do enough in every area to – be a playoff team again next year with a lesser quarterback, most likely.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know <clears throat> with so many question marks and so many unknowns, given the rest of your offense and defense, how you can really make a stride in 2022, especially when, Tom, your biggest unknown is the quarterback. Yeah. But the getting back to the pass rush, I mean – I'll say this too. I mean, we just saw Tyson Oluwalu make a little Instagram post last night indicating he plans to come back to play
0: for the season next sign year. Him back. They should bring him back. Absolutely. There's so much you have to address in the draft already that you can't just go into it and be like, We'll 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 fix the D line through the draft. He's still you under gotta, contract. You gotta bring him back. Yeah.
1: So secure that piece and then hope to hopes, hope to all hopes that Stefan Toot is ready to go next year. Whether that's physically, mentally, both, because you've seen what this defensive line is without either of them, and you've seen what this defensive line is without both of them. Even it's, a, I wouldn't call it a miracle, but the last couple of years that the Steelers have led the league in sacks, what has it been four years in mm-hmm. a row now? Yeah. It's been with T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, Tyson Oluwala was your main pass rushers. You've been able to do it with those four guys. This past year, you still had the lead in sacks, but you were without two of them. And Bud Dupree.
0: And, and he, Bud Dupree. And was Bud Dupree who had double-digit sacks last Alex year. Alex
1: Highsmith didn't have the worst year.
0: Hot and cold. It, he said he was going to train with T.J. Watt in the offseason. Good. Great news for me. I mean, get in get in those log cabins with the Watt brothers sure. and have them hone your craft. But it wasn't it wasn't the, the 2020 season that Bud Dupree was off to
1: that that, that start that Bud Dupree was on, and the 2019 full season he had, which you know was also great. But if you had extrapolated his numbers in 2020 over a full season, they would have been even better than they were in 2019. He reached double digit sacks in less than a full season, with about six weeks five weeks to go. I just can't believe that without those guys, all three of them, the Steelers were still able to lead the lead in sacks. However, I don't know if you can repeat that again if, God forbid, one of those guys suffers a season-ending injury. God forbid it, it, it happens to T.J. Water, Cam Hayward.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, 55 total sacks on the year. 22 and a half of them came from one position. Right. so One guy. Yeah, so that's going to be... Tough to duplicate for not only the team, but for TJ as well. I mean,
1: And Cam Cam had double-digit sacks, I believe,
0: this he year. He did. He reached it in the last First game of the year. First time
1: in a long time that he's gotten to that, that, uh, that milestone, but he had to. Those are, those... If, if he doesn't do that, the Steelers are nowhere near as effective as they would have been against the pass. I mean, sure, he did so many other things for them, Quarterback pressures, pass batted down at the at the line of scrimmage, but still, I, you have to do it all if you're missing Tyson and Stephon to it.
0: Hayward and Watt were the only two first-team All Pros from the Steelers team, and obviously, then on the that Steelers defensive players. side of the ball, yeah. And I think that it's pretty indicative of how the season went overall. Yeah, and I the, mean, those two carried a lot on their backs.
1: All Pro is really the, the, real the measurement That's of the real how one. good you can be. But I think it's even bigger of a of a telltale sign that those two guys were the only Pro Bowlers, right? That that's fan base. That is that is popular voting, and those are the only guys that those who were able to send. I mean, I think Najee deserved it, a Pro Bowl nod, right? I think he he could get there with with the Super Bowl laying out and and guys eventually filling in for other guys who opt out. But Deontay wasn't even close. Chase Claypool wasn't even close. Minka wasn't close. That one hurts.
0: I think Minka was closer than the other two. I think Minka had a really strong end of the season. End of the season. But
1: it wasn't, I mean, you we know when the the Pro Bowl votes come in about week 12. Yeah, so he wasn't going to make it at that point.
0: I think that there's a lot to be optimistic about towards next year, though, with him. And he's a big contract that's up to... Mm-hmm. to pay for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You locked and,
1: in T.J. Watt this offseason. Your next biggest piece on defense at a young age is 100% Minka Fitzpatrick.
0: T.J. Watt became the highest paid defensive player ever, I think, in the NFL yeah, he when did. he signed his contract. And Minka said that he wants to be the highest paid safety. You got a little bit of help in your favor based on the poor start to the season. You could go into the, the, the uh, um, negotiations. The, the Steelers, and Steelers got a little The Steelers did, yeah. You can go into the negotiations and say, well, blah, 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 this happened, and, well, we'll we'll give you this much money. We'll make you the third highest-paid safety in football. And Mm. he might not take it, and you might have to franchise tag him, but that's a song and dance the Steelers are all too familiar with and one that they would probably hope to avoid at all costs. And Maybe they do find it in their best interest to make him the highest-paid safety in football, and they would have the cap space to do so next year. You worry what that would do to your cap situation in years down the road when you have so much money tied up to Watt and Fitzpatrick on the defensive side of the ball. You know, how do you build an offense? If you have to go get a veteran quarterback, how do you pay him? If you hit on a rookie, that's beautiful. But how do you pay him in four years when you're already tied up with Watt and Fitzpatrick for another year or two when it comes to that point? So they've got a lot of decisions to make, and Minka is right at the top of that list. You got to bring him back. Like, you can't no, have him just leave. Like, you can't have afford him to be on a different team. The secondary is hanging on by a thread as it is. Probably going to lose Joe Hayden in the offseason anyway. You need to bring back 39. And I don't want to say you break the bank to do it, but it's getting pretty close to me saying that. I mean, you have enough
1: cap space where you can afford to spend more money than other teams are able to afford. However,. With that additional cap space, it gives you the opportunity to go out and get the other pieces that you're missing. You have Minka, but you need pieces around Minka so that it's not all reliant on Minka's success, how well you do against the pass in the secondary.
0: Right. You need some more pieces around him Mm -hmm. as well, but he is the central focal point that I think you need to bring back uh, in order for you to have success in that secondary In the 2022 season and in a lot of seasons to come. Uh, T.J. Watt was named the team MVP. He's going to win the Defensive Player of the Year. He He tied Michael Strahan's sack record. He had a great game in the playoffs, too. Right, that's Um, something
1: that we pointed out. That's something that we were worried about
0: last week. We had seen him disappear
1: toward the end of seasons. We saw him disappear completely in in the Browns wildcard game last year. Obviously, that didn't happen this year.
0: Yeah, he had that pass deflection that was a Devin Bush interception. He had three or two tackles for loss. He had a couple quarterback hits to go along with that. He had the sack of Patrick Mahomes, although that came later in the game. And, of course, the, the fumble recovery for a touchdown. So he made his impact felt for sure in that game. Cam Hayward made his impact I, I, felt I, for like sure I'd like to talk that about game. that play
1: really quick. As much as I loved watching TJ run that ball to the end zone, the
0: hit, by Cam Hayward. Yeah, people don't really talk about the fact that the Chiefs recovered the fumble initially. The hit and, then by a, Cam and then a Hayward, sandwich from behind. First of
1: all, the, the heads-up play by Cam to realize, uh oh, it's still a live ball. I had to make it, I had to stop this guy. But oh my God, the bone crushing hit that Cam laid out on that. I don't know if it was Daryl Williams or or Derek Gore whoever it was running the ball or carrying the ball there. Oh my god. I, I went back and just watched it. I didn't even watch the touchdown. I just watched the hit about five times in a row.
0: Yeah, Cam and TJ, just a two-man yeah. wrecking crew on that defense. But what I'm trying to get at here is they need more going yeah, of into course. the future in the defense. And Minka probably gives you more, so that's three guys there. But who are they going to find in that inside linebacker spot to really help out? Because – Let's just say they fix the run defense next year because Alu-Alu's back. Two, it's healthy. They bring back a guy like Montrevious Adams for depth, and Isaiah Loudermilk starts to take more steps forward. So they've got a good five or six core of a defensive line that isn't great but is better than it was last year. So let's say they fix it that sure. way. Let's say Minka comes back and they draft a corner or they sign a corner that's, not, that's is, not Joe Hayden, and right. the secondary's okay. What about the middle of that field? Mm-hmm. What about the inside That's linebackers? Because I'm assuming Joe Schobert will be back in the, the guy. I mean, you traded for him, so I'm sure you want him to try another season. It's not just going to be this year. And Devin Bush, uh, heads-up play to get that interception against the Chiefs, but that was the first splash play I think you've had since your rookie season maybe. So All year long. I mean, he had a couple sacks, like— In, like, week four, five, six, but that was it. We want him turning the ball over, though. We want him to get the ball back, not just get a sack every once in a while. So Not have your last sack come in week six. He's got to find a way to become an impact player, and he's got to do it fast because that bus talk is getting louder and louder and louder. And this will be his fourth year. I do not think they'll pick up his fifth-year option. They will just let that go. mm -hmm. He'll play on this fourth year, just like Edmonds did this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And we'll reevaluate things in the offseason because in the 2023 offseason because do I give you some benefit of the doubt because of that knee injury? Sure. I would like to see you kind of come back with two full years of rehab, both physically and mentally under your belt. But at the same time, people come back from injuries faster than ever these days. I mean, Juju was supposed to be out for six months and he was back for three months. Now, the shoulder is a hell of a long way away from the knee. And shoulder is something that you can definitely play through more than a knee. But you know, I see you see these ACL MCL injuries. The timetables for recovery are becoming shorter, Can't and, make shorter, and, shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. I mean, Joe Burrow had no problems this year coming off of not a, a massive none knee whatsoever. injury, so that's part of the. You got to factor that into the equation too. Yes, it's hard to come back from something like that, but also but a lot of other players are coming back faster than Bush. Derrick Henry. So now you got to wonder: Is Bush just not good enough? Is
1: Bush not good enough? And does does he have the passion. No,
0: he has the passion. I think he's rehabbing. I, I, I don't want to say that he's cheating the rehab process at all. I just think that maybe he loses a step when he gets hurt, and speed was his whole identity of the game. And you lose that. And if you lose a half a second, that's everything in the NFL. Everything. It seems inconsequential to us, but, I mean, that's the difference between tackling a guy for a three-yard gain and letting a guy get past you for 15, 20 yards. So I— I don't want to say that he's for sure a bust and I'm definitely not saying that he's cheating you for effort. I'm just saying that that injury might have taken a little bit more off of his game than we all think and it's a struggle for him to try to get back to that point. It seems that way
1: and I I don't know if we have the same conversation if he gets hurt in his sophomore year and his second year in 2020. Right? I think we were saying when he got when he went down in what week five or week six of the twenty twenty season, he was just coming into it. You know, it it's tough to the twenty twenty season was such a weird thing because there was no offseason, there was no preseason. So you didn't have any exposure until you lined up, you laced up in week one. So no fault of his own for kind of stumbling out the gates, but we saw him actually perform well about a month into the season and then he goes down. I don't know if we're sitting here having this conversation about him if that happens. It's It was a tough go of it for for Devin Bush in 2020 to have no offseason. And maybe that injury doesn't happen in Week 5 because his body is more game-ready. His body is more broken into by that point. He's got two months' worth of football in and an entire offseason rather than just four weeks, four games under his
0: belt. Yeah, and... I don't want to give up on the guy yet because there's I don't still so much potential there. Because
1: you really only have 2 seasons to look at. You have yeah. his rookie year and you have this year. And his rookie year was really good. I wouldn't say it was great, but I give it a solid B in terms of an overall grade. That's fair. But this year, I mean that's and that's, you know, not as good of a, a grade as you would like to give a guy that you traded up for into the top 10 to get but this certainly wasn't anywhere near that that level. 2021 was certainly nowhere near the the great he got in
0: 2019. And I look at guy a guy like Devin White in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. and it's just like I want that. And they were in the same draft class and White went before Bush, but you see the difference between the two. White completely coming into his own as an impact player. To be fair, he was paired with Levante David the second he came into the league, so he had a very strong veteran presence next to him. Mm-hmm. Bush had Vince Williams, very good veteran presence, sure. but not a uh, all-pro caliber player like Levante David. So obviously the system for Devin White was a lot easier for him to kind of ease into. There was a playmaker in his position group that he could kind of freelance and do his thing with because he knew that um, – He knew that he was going to uh, be—David was going to be all over the P's and Q's. Didn't have that with Devin Bush. And that's one thing I think that I would hope to see develop extra fast this offseason is that cerebral nature to Mm -hmm. his game. Start thinking the game more. If you did lose that step, maybe rethink your uh, angles of pursuit. Maybe, you know, level off the way you take— the. Shallow it to an extra yard and a half deeper as far as the route you take to get to a a running back because you just don't have the speed to close like you used to. So if the knee is going to be a hindrance and hold him back physically, it's time for mentally that part of his game to take the step to the next level. Absolutely, and that starts wear the green dot. I mean, I know how inconsequential I'm that is. Glad you is, brought but, that
1: up but because be the guy who calls the plays now. That was a big conversation we had all throughout training camp. You was, bring in a
0: guy from Jacksonville, and he ends up bringing the, putting the green gets, dot on. He like, gets the green dot, and
1: we heard guys like Keith Butler say, "I kind of wanted to give it. A, I kind of wanted to give it to Devin, but I, I my hand was forced. I kind of had to go with Joe Schobert there."
0: Yeah, Devin's got to be up to speed with that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's got to be able to be the guy to to command his troops out there. That's that's. That's part of the job when you get that inside linebacker job. So we'll we'll see. Jury's still out. He'll definitely be back next year. One guy that definitely won't be, Ben Rothlisberger. Mike no. Tomlin's press conference on Tuesday of this week, he alluded to the fact that although nothing has officially been said by Ben Roethlisberger, they are going into this offseason expecting to find a replacement at quarterback. And man, that's what we're gonna be talking about on this show, on all the shows for the foreseeable Every show future. You hear,
1: on Steelers Nation Radio, at least once per show, you will, you will hear the name Ben Roethlisberger and replacement or whatever similar word you can hear attached to
0: that. Now, Tomlin said all options are on the table when it comes to finding that replacement. That would mean you have the internal options of Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and Josh Dobbs. You have the external options of the draft or, of course, free agency. Um There was a report earlier this year that Tomlin said he wanted a veteran quarterback to replace Ben. He didn't want to have a rookie or a young player. He kind of put that report to bed yesterday saying that he didn't say that and that it's not just a pigeonhole into I need a veteran. Like he said, all of the options are on the table. One key thing, though, I took away from it, he really stressed, and this isn't the first time he's done it, the mobility aspect of it. I I think he... Loves seven, obviously, and... He loves seven because of his uh, mobility at, 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 a, at a younger age. He won him a Super Bowl. He got him to another one. Uh, those two are going to be forever intertwined in Steelers history, I think. Uh Cower and Ben as well for a little bit, too. But, you know, those two, one of the best head coach quarterback combos in the league. And he saw mm-hmm. Ben's mobility, and then he saw what it looks like without mobility, and he just sits... You need to be able to move to play quarterback in this league. And that's, I think, something that they're going to look at hard as they move forward. They're not going to take a statuesque kind of quarterback. You know,
1: Tomlin kind of had, kind of found gold before it became a trend in the NFL. I mean, Ben wasn't the traditional Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Kyler Murray mobile kind of quarterback. But, boy, his pocket-escaping ability was second to none, and not only was it, I mean, it wasn't like Mike Vick either, but he was a much better quarterback overall than Mike Vick, and kind of got in, Tomlin did, before it became a trend, and then also lost it when it really did become a trend. As Ben got older, that's when guys like Lamar and Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray came into the league, and he he, he was kind of on the outside looking into that point, saying, I had it before anyone else did and now I don't have it, and I can
0: see how detrimental it can be to my team when I don't have it. And mobility, like you kind of just alluded to there, it's not, oh, he can get out and run 50 plus yards and he looks like a gazelle no, in, in the water. No, it's the ability it to
1: extend the play.
0: Escape the pocket, extend the play, pick up five yards if you have to and you know, He's not asking for an Allen or a Jackson, where you run design runs and, you know, the Josh Allen plays where they just snap it to him and he runs directly to the sidelines, finds a hole and cuts it up for five yards. We're not talking about that. even when, yeah, good. We're talking about Mahomes. We're talking about Mm -hmm. Rodgers. We're talking about, you know, guys that, you know, feel pressure, step up, run for five yards, get out of bounds, keep drives alive. I'm not saying that they wouldn't take an Allen where they could run design run plays like that. Or a Rodgers. Right, but I'm just saying you need somebody that, if bleep hits the fan, I can use my legs to get positive yards. Right.
1: It's not like, you know, we look at Josh Allen in Buffalo and say their leading rusher is Josh Allen. Uh, and that's totally different from from Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson because Allen can still get you that run if you need it. But
0: he's, he's the look, most established passer. He's going to look
1: to throw the ball first. The two you've there,
0: I trust him throwing the ball more. Oh, absolutely. Kyler's pretty close, but. That was a stinker he put up in the first half
1: it, it wasn't all him. I mean, he's without the best receiver, one of the best receivers in football without DeAndre Hopkins. It's tough. But getting back to Allen, I mean, he's not thinking run first. He's thinking, let me extend the play and pass the ball to Stefan Diggs, of all people. We were just talking about how great DeAndre Hopkins is. Let's not short uh, Stefan Diggs here. And if something isn't, looking right for him, then he'll run the ball. But that's exactly what Ben did with, with Antonio Brown, with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, when they were at the peak, I mean, Ben was still able to move the ball with his legs.
0: Yeah, and no question. And you saw a couple of plays this year where he still sure. took off and scooted for, for positive it was, marriage. <laughs> it was scary watching but it. But those plays become more and more commonplace when he can actually move. Like, they sure. were like seeing Haley's Comet this year when you saw it because it was so rare that a 39-year-old guy— would stumble around the field like that, but when he was younger, I mean, that like third, that that and third butter. and twenty against Buffalo, where he oh just took God. it on the third sidelines, and 18, and ran. Yeah, I mean the, that
1: thirty yard touchdown running against Cleveland in Heinz Field the one year.
0: It never looked graceful, no, but he was no, able, he was ugly. but he was still able to move. How about to,
1: I mean, the, I think the best example of it is the play. I think it was a third down play in the Super Bowl, in forty three to Heath Miller. It was like a third and seven. And Ben ran the ball 30 yards just back and forth up and down the sidelines. It's the slowest 30 yards you've ever seen. Just just to extend the ball, just to pass the ball like 7 or or 12 yards down
0: the field. That's the other mobility aspect that people don't realize because he's not turning it up and gaining yards, but he's running almost 50 yards parallel <laughs> back and forth just trying to evade or, or 20 yards backwards just trying to evade somebody. You
1: know, if Ben's not as good of a runner as he is over the course of his career— the greatest incompletion in NFL history against Terrell Suggs, that's just a sack.
0: It's just a sack, and he already leads the NFL history in yeah. sacks. That'll be broken. By Tom Brady. Maybe, though. That. They protect him like crazy. Yeah, Maybe but he'll never get touched I mean, again. He, the thing is that he's, he's going to play for play five, five more for another, years.
1: Exactly, and so those numbers will go up But eventually. maybe he won't get
0: touched again in five years. So it's funny. It's crazy this is totally random, but the, the respect the league has for Brady. There was a roughing the passer call against oh, the Eagles. Oh, my God. Egregious. It was bad call. But the second the Eagles player hit Brady— he, his hand was out ready to bring him back up and t- and pick him up like there's so much respect for guys for that guy that like you're at the point now where defensive players aren't going to be like maybe I'll hit him an extra hard or maybe I'll snap the the ankle a little bit on my way up like they're all just like man that's tom i I respect the hell out of tom am i wrong to say that like i think that it's reached that point where like you get a Jordan level of respect. You like, don't want him. You, get you Lem- don't want to be the guy to end the career. You get a Lemieux level of respect. Like, Lemieux was out there with a the bad back. Like, players wouldn't yeah. hit him because it was Lemieux. Like, you're not going to just take out 66. You don't want to be the guy that Exa- takes uh, Brady's yeah, exactly. career out. I just said like, that, yeah. So, uh, I just thought it was funny. He, he literally hits him, and it's almost like a reflex. Like, yeah. hey, Tom, let me help you up there real quick. <laughs> uh, but Ben leads the NFL in sacks in history right now, and you wonder how many more it would be. If he didn't have that escapability and that mobility. So that's something that they definitely need to look at as far as the offseason is concerned. You know, we're going to get into the quarterback discussion in a lot more depth and detail in the coming weeks and months here, but just, just kick things off here. Where's your gut feeling at? Is it an internal thing or will they go external, get a draft or a free agent guy?
1: It's based off of the history of this franchise, Tom. I got to think it's
0: internal. I think it's Mason Rudolph. I think he's going to end up becoming the starter. Tomlin said there will be a healthy competition between Rudolph and Haskins. But something he also said that was interesting was he doesn't view them as everyday starters. They'll have to have an opportunity to change his mind on that. So although a lot of people think the writing's on the wall for Mason Rudolph to be the guy, if you take Tomlin at his word, which you might not, and I wouldn't blame you for that, but if you take him at his word at this press conference, neither of them are starter capable in his mind. They have to prove that still. And I think he's going to lean toward going with Mason
1: Rudolph, but he is going to leave it open for Dwayne Haskins. The problem I have and with And Josh it, Dobbs? If they bring him back. He'll he'll be around in training camp and mini-camp, Josh Dobbs will be. Will he make the Final 53? I don't know.
0: Mo- mobile? Sure. Pro- probably the most mobile of all three of those guys.
1: Honestly, had the best play out of all three of those guys in the last four years. Live you know what talking about Yeah. The, the Baltimore play— uh, I think that was 2018. It was like a third and 17. Ben goes down, and Josh Dobbs picks up the first down for one play, and then comes right back out. Ben marches out, tags him out,
0: and then of course there was the Oakland time when Josh Dobbs came in in 2019. Remember that Ben's MRI problem had to go get the MRI. I don't the MRI remember machine that. was broken. Dobbs threw an interception. That was the same game that Boswell slipped at the end to try to tie it in Oakland? That was 2018. 2018? 2018, yeah. So you've seen the good and you've seen the bad with Josh sure. Jobs. But I think his name certainly deserves no, to I be mean, in the ring. No, I mean, none of these three guys— Rudolph and Haskins aren't miles ahead of him, no, so you might as well give him a shot. None of, n-
1: none of these three guys are starter capable.
0: I would like to see them grab somebody in free agency, not break the bank— I'm not You're talking. You're not talking
1: about Russ and Rogers.
0: No, those are the tier A guys. I mean, those I'm talking are, about especially Rogers. That's a that's a
1: rental. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a long term fix. If you get Rogers, if you
0: break the bank for Rogers, it could be a Tampa Bay thing with Brady, where you get a couple years of. Do greatness. you think he
1: plays as long as Brady? Brady's already forty four. Rogers is only thirty
0: eight. Right, but Rogers still looks amazing. So it's I not know. like it's not like I'm worried about him breaking but down.
1: The thing is, is that like Tom.
0: Uh, the thing is, you, is that you is see
1: his... the passion there for Tom. You know, all he cares about is winning football. I don't know if that's true for Aaron Rodgers. I know you're he worried the he game. might wake
0: up one day and move to the rainforest, with so Shane done. Lane Woodley, and, exactly. and make his own clay, make his or something own clay and toothpaste. Exactly. Okay, that's a fair. That's honestly a fair worry when it comes to him. But no, a guy that Crowley's been bringing up lately on filling in for. Mark, I know it is. It's James, James. Winston. I would totally—I would sign up for that 10 times out of 10. He's definitely better than Mason and Haskins, and the only part is that people are getting cold feet on, it seems to be, the, well, Mason knows the system. Really. James Winston's the number one overall picking a Heisman Trophy winner. He'll pick up a system like nobody's <laughs> business. He's not a dumb person. Like, he will pick Honestly, it up. Honestly,
1: the Saints—
0: what, That's you're, a you're, tougher system than the
1: Steelers you're at, are running. You're, you're, you're telling me the Saints are going to be like, oh no, we didn't want to, we didn't want James Winston to really start the rest of the
0: season. He got
1: injured. Listen, he got hurt. They would have loved to see it. Up- do the Saints make the playoffs if he stays healthy? Yes, I believe yes, they, they do. absolutely.
0: No. Offense to Matt Canada, except offense to Matt Canada, a Sean Payton offense, probably a lot harder to pick up than a Matt Canada offense. Sure. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go down the and say that.
1: Jameis Winston probably fits the bill a lot better for a Matt
0: Canada offense than Mason Rudolph oh, yeah. and,
1: and and Dwayne Haskins. Oh
0: yeah. Jameis Winston has moments where he looks like the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of And then football. he
1: throws three interceptions in the
0: year. But I would still
1: take that. See, my, my worry is with with guys, you know, struggling like Deontay and Chase. Deontay and Chase versus Chris Godwin and Mike Evans is a night and day comparison, and he still threw thirty interceptions with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans.
0: No Bruce Arians offense though. It's true. Well, we'll see. He might still throw some interceptions here in Maybe. Pittsburgh, but I think that's a risk I'd be willing to take. It's sure. I mean, like I mean, James Winston is a starting quarterback.
1: Mason and Dwayne Haskins are not.
0: The only problem is, I would totally bring him back if I were the Saints. Like, I wouldn't even think twice. That's about the thing. It. Is you is were that five and two with him. Like, I don't
1: know how likely the Saints you're not likely to pull him away from New Orleans. You're only
0: picking 17th, 18th, something like that in the draft. You don't have a lot of valuable Is pick it, Is Picket going to be there? Do you have faith in Corral coming off of the knee injury in the Sugar Bowl? Do you like Malik Willis even though he went to Liberty? Safest bet there is Jameis just coming back. Mm-hmm. So I think the that's Steelers probably what's going to happen. 18th overall pick? 20. 20? Yeah. Second team in the playoffs because uh, the Eagles get the 19th because they were 9-8. and 8, Steelers were 9-7-1. Mm-hmm. and 1. Both got eliminated on Wild Card Weekend, which makes them 19 and 20. (laughs) That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Like we said, tons more quarterback talk's going to be coming your way over the next weeks, months. Tons. Don't worry. You'll get your fill of Steelers 2022, who's going to be under center talk. Uh, For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman. As always, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you on the next Steelers Standard.